I know it's going to sound, you're going to find this kind of funny to accept, but I truly believe there is life after birth. Don't be ridiculous. Look around you. This is all there is. Why must you always be thinking about something beyond this reality? Accept your lot in life. Make yourself comfortable and forget all this nonsense about life after birth. Ego. Now don't get mad at me, but I have something else to say. I also believe there's a mother. A mother? How can you be so absurd? You've never seen a mother. Why can't you accept that this is all there is? The idea of a mother is crazy. You are here alone with me. This is your reality. Now grab a hold of that cord. Get into your corner and stop being so silly. Trust me, there is no mother. Ego, please listen without rejecting my idea. Somehow, I think that these, uh, these pressures that we're both feeling, these movements that are making us so uncomfortable, you know, I think that it's just repositioning us for something that is making us grow in bigger and better ways. It's, it seems to be getting us ready for something. Like, like maybe a glowing light. And we'll be experiencing it pretty soon. Now I know you're absolutely insane. <laughs> All you've ever known is a darkness. You've never seen light. How can you even contemplate such an idea? Those movements and pressures you feel are your reality. You are a distinct separate being. This is your journey. Darkness and pressures and a closed-in feeling is, are what life is all about. You'll have to fight it for as long as you live. Now grab your cord and be still. Ego, I have only one more thing to say, and then I'll never bother you again. Go ahead. I believe all these pressures and all of these discomforts is not only going to bring us to a new light, but when we experience it, we're going to meet mother. We're going to meet mother face to face. And we'll know an ecstasy that is beyond anything that we have ever experienced up until now. You really are crazy. Now I'm truly convinced of it. You know, I just think there's something more. How many times have you had this conversation with yourself? We catch a glimpse of the divine, of something wonderful. And then we have another voice, the, ego of, the voice of the ego. We experience for a moment the wonderful idea of a a wonderful light, and a wonderful life. And then we have another voice telling us just to be quiet, 
to accept your lot in life. You know, there's, we think that there's just nothing more to this life, but then we really do know that these um, discomforts and all of the hard experiences are really preparing us for a greater and wonderful life. You know, there's just a time in your life that you think, there is light. And the babies were born. Thank you, Tom. (laughs) We're talking about magnifying the light. How many of you have ever magnified your light? Anybody? Yeah. I'm talking to the unity crowd here. Well, I remember the first time I knew I could magnify the light. I was five years old. And I went to the fair, and my parents bought me a chick. Now, my best friend, Danny Fagan, he got a chick, too. So we brought our chicks home, and we thought, oh, good, we can raise our little chicks. There's nothing I've always loved than than animals. So um, Danny and I started talking, and we thought, okay, what we are Chicks are going to be lonely if they don't stay together. So we're going to put the two chicks together, and they'll stay at my house at one, time, one night, and then they'll go over to Danny's at another night, right? So I take my chicks, and I put them in my bedroom, and get a nice little corner in their box. You put all these little blankets around so they're nice and warm, and they feel all, you know, nice together. And that was a wonderful night. So the next day, Danny gets to take the chicks. So I can just remember me walking down to pick up my chick. And I arrive. Well, Danny put our chicks in the carport. I know. (laughs) I was stunned. In the carport. Our chicks are in the carport. So we check them up, check on them. They're frozen. There's two things I learned at that point. Danny will never have my chick again. (laughs) But the better um, truth that I learned is that Danny Fagan's mom said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to bring the chicks into the house, and we're going to put them under this light. And Danny and I went, have you ever done healing, of you know, hands-on healing? I did, was doing it at five. Um, so we're, okay, come alive, come alive. All of a sudden, chirp, chirp, chirp. They came alive. Oh, my gosh. We resurrected our chicks. <laughs> I mean, isn't that a great experience for a five-year-old? Oh, my gosh. So we are here to magnify the light. And I want to talk about how we can evolve and magnify that light in different ways. And I'm taking this, uh, my, I'm going to be talking about evolution, 
evolutionary enlightenment. Now, isn't that a great word, two words? Evolutionary enlightenment. And it's from the work of uh, Andrew Cohen. And we're going to be talking about four, thi four things. Clarity of purpose. Um, power of choice. Face everything, avoid nothing. And then the process perspective. Okay? So how many of us have set an intention? They know the power of intention. I've set my intention for this year. Um, I have my vision statement. My vision statement is that I live in the kingdom of God. And my mission statement is I love and I let the flow of the universe oops, flow through me and as me with God's goodness and God's abundance. And that pretty well um, guides my life to this day. And I start my day with my intention. So what is your intention? Um, the intention with evolutionary enlightenment is to set the intention that I will evolve. I will evolve as a spiritual being. You know, have any of us just kind of acted out in unconscious ways in our life? Yeah, no, we have. We drive somewhere and go, oh, heck, how'd I get here, right? Yeah, but if we can really set our intention, then it gives us a total pathway to our enlightenment, for heaven's sakes. So the first one is to really know your intention in life. So then there we come to the idea of um, choice. You have, does it, now don't raise your hand on this one because I don't want to see it. Uh, <laughs> there's nobody in this room that thinks they are a victim of life. We know that we are a co-create, right? Unity, we know we are co-creators of our life with God, right? Right. We co-create with each other and with God. And that's an awesome choice. I, don't, I can't think of a harder way to live than to really think that you do have no choice in life. It's to take responsibility. And I love that word. I used to not like it so much, but responsibility is what we all really, really have to come to in our lives. So then that takes us next to face, let's see, accept everything and avoid nothing. Now, this is a hard one. I don't know about you, but how many people like to put their head, well, yeah, don't raise your hand on this one either, uh, you know, like to bury your head in the sand? I do know many people that will not balance their checkbook because they, they feel it's bad news. <laughs> you know, and that's one thing I can say in my lifetime here is that I used to avoid things. I wouldn't go to the doctor, and not anymore. I know where my health stands. And believe me, since I'm married to Tom, I know where my finances stand, <laughs> thanks to him. And um, I keep 
I keep up on everything that I can to be proactive for a healthy and wonderful life. Okay? Um, I have to say that I'm, I'm doing a yoga training on my other side of my life. And you know, it is so important for us to keep moving. Oh my gosh. Keep moving physically. Um, I can't just even say that enough. Take a walk. Give yourself an hour or four, an hour four times a week to move your body. Because if you lose it, I mean, if you don't use it, what? Lose it. All righty. Oh, and there's also, you know, um, face everything and avoid nothing. You know, how many times do we avoid things in our life? And I don't think that there's any better time than right now in this political atmosphere to accept everything and avoid nothing. We're right now, this is the time, in, I feel that is critical in our lives to start accepting everything and avoiding nothing. And you can't start at a better place than the political arena right now. If we, as unity, could learn to bridge the gaps between our opinions and our perspective, wouldn't that be great? We would be healing the world. Now, I know that, okay, a few of the truths that I love about unity, why I became a unity minister, and that is, it's the new covenant in Jeremiah 31, 33. And it is, I am your Lord, and I will take my law, and I will write it on your heart. You will be my people, and I will be your God. I love that scripture reading. You have your own truth within you. Don't look for me to give you your truth. At Unity, we teach people how to think, but not what to think. And that's the other thing that we really can look at, is to afford someone else's truth that is not my truth. It's an opening that we need in our society right now, right today. And then there is the process perspective. You know, I would love, I, know, I, I believe in the idea that you can be enlightened in a minute, in the twinkling of an eye. I love that. In the twinkling of an eye. And I don't want to be a downer here, but it takes work. It takes evolutionary enlightenment. How many can say that they're bigger and better in every way since they started unity? Yeah. I can really say that it has changed my life dramatically. Dramatically. And it's a process. How many of us are still in our drama? Yeah, I know. It's kind of fun to have the drama, right? 
I think that sometimes we make it, uh, it's just um, a way to entertain ourselves. And I can tell you my, um, my story is that I would be telling bad stories left and right, right? And then I became, I knew the idea of being an observant in my life, that we have this silent witness that can be in back and witness everything that we do, right? So I learn about the witness. And so then I come up to people and I start telling them my bad story. And I, in my back of my head, oh, look, you're telling that bad story. I know, but I can't stop. And I would go ahead and tell the story. So it was a process of finally now giving up the bad story. You know, I know all of us have had very hard things to go through. How many have been divorced? You don't have to raise your hands. Yeah, I have. Okay, you can raise your hands. I was divorced, and it was the best thing I ever did. For a long time ago, since I've been married to Tom for 35 years, for God's sake. But it wasn't a match. I tried so hard with that relationship, and it wasn't a match. He didn't believe in God. Now, and I'm a minister. <laughs> and I tried. I tried to work that out. But it was just not the thing to do. The thing to do. So there's also another work that I've been working with a lot in my life. And that is that of Joe Dispenza. I would highly re- recommend anything that he writes. I, um, I read everything, and I've read everything of his. But um, he has a wonderful uh, suggestion. Oh, I like this a lot. Before we think about this, Since I am back home in Colorado Springs, I am so grateful to look at where I am right here physically. I get to look out to the west and see Pike's Peak. Pike's Peak represents to me God. We have this beautiful, giant mountain that can bring us to the very essence of nature, the very essence of the divine, right? Does Pike Speak represent that to you? Yeah. But then the other way, you can turn around and go look to the east. And what is it? Vast, infinite possibilities. So just think of that. Look to the mountain, and it is God. Look to the east. And it's the infinite possibilities of the universe. Now, those are big words. Infinite possibilities of the universe. So with that taken in mind, I share with you Joe Dispenza's work. And he says, and I do this every day of my life, and I can't imagine, well, I have not done it sometimes when I'm in a hurry, but not often, Uh, I can't hardly imagine beginning my life without it. And that is to meditate. Joe Dispenza calls it elevated uh, feeling. I call it love. I I learned it here 
at Unity in the Rockies, heart math. Heart math, and that's what took me straight to ministerial school, is meditating on love, meditating on feeling really elevated feelings. Some of you might be parents, and you watch your child perform at school, and you're so proud of them. That's another elevated feeling. You just might be married. You just might have gotten married, and you're celebrating your honeymoon. Think of that wonderful feeling. So think about an elevated feeling for 20 minutes. This will actually change the neural pathways of your brain. Okay? Instead of going to anger or anxiety or not enoughness, you will be actually programming your neural pathways to happiness. Sounds like a good plan to me, don't you? So let's do that right now. Let us close our eyes, if you'd like, or you can write down what I'm going to be saying. You can do whatever you want. But let's just try this experiment. Let's just take a moment and go into that heart space. And remember a time when you deeply, deeply loved. Or a time when you felt so proud of your children or yourself. It might be a time with your beloved pet or a time in nature. But bring that elevated feeling into your heart. And the wonderful thing that uh, Joe Dispenza writes is that when you get into this field of love, your desired future will find you. It will find you. You don't have to do anything. It will find you. And now try this on for size. And this is affirmations. We've done them plenty of times at church. My body is whole and healthy. My words are law. I love, I feel love deeply and daily. Wealth flows to me. All my needs are met. My body becomes younger every day. The divine appears in my life every day. Synchronicities happen to me all the time. I feel more whole every day. My immune system gets stronger every day. I lead with courage in my life. I am an unlimited genius. I am always aware of the power within me and all around me. I believe in myself and when spirit, when I call on spirit, spirit responds. So now just know that you've taken those into your consciousness and just open your eyes.
and then come out and magnify your light. Have you ever tried this? Because this is a great experiment, and I've seen it at church. And you might have, you can try it both ways. Have you ever tried to hide? Is it just me? It's just me, I know. I mean, I could position myself in church where I knew I wouldn't be seen. I did it. Yep. And then you also have to know that, oh, God, that gets to be so hard because you're not meant to hide. But this is something you can use, say, if you're... <laughs> oh, Ariana's going to get me for this one. If you're running from the police or something, but none of us are, right? You could really hide. Your intention could be to hide, and you probably would get away with it. But we are really meant to shine, to illuminate, to magnify that light, and then be that light in the world. You know, guys, it's time. This is the time for evolutionary enlightenment, and we're the ones we've been waiting for. God bless you. Your story about hiding reminds me of a story I heard just on Friday from a friend of mine whose one-year-old grandson um, does not like bedtime and brushing teeth and all of those little uh, you know, activities. So what he does is he runs and puts his head between the sofa and the wall so no one can see him. And I just thought that was so darn cute. It, it, it's that ostrich thing, you know, and... and isn't that just the truth? I, I, I have that same quality. My head goes between the wall and the sofa, and everybody disappears. <laughs> oh, uh, Michael is going to play, uh, put some lyrics up on the screen for us. We'd love to have you sing. This song is called I Am the Light of the Soul, and we used to do this as our opener before we started to sing Sanctuary. So we'd love to have you join us. Cynthia will lead you through it. 